ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا وسيئات أعمالنا من يهديه الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد So today's topic is regarding the congregational prayer the importance of it and the virtues of it and some of the rulings behind it. Sheikh Al-Fawzan says regarding the congregational prayer Salatul Jama'ah tushra'u fil-faridah wa fi ba'dhin nawafil ka salatil istisqa wa salatil kusuf wa salatil tarawih wa salatil eid inda man yara annaha sunnah وكذلك لا مانع من صلاة الجماعة في صلاة الليل والتهجد أو في صلاة الضحى إلا أنه لا يتخذ ذلك عادة ولا يستمر عليه لكن لو حصل في بعض الأحيان فلا مانع So the obligatory, uh, rather the congregational prayer The congregational prayer, prayer in جماعة It is legislated in the obligatory prayers. The congregational prayer, congregational prayer is legislated to be done in the obligatory prayers. And it can be done in some supererogatory prayers too. For example, the rain prayer that is prayed in jama'ah, the eclipse prayer, also in jama'ah, taraweeh prayer, also in jama'ah. These are some examples of prayers that are not obligatory upon everyone. They are not obligatory, but they can be prayed in congregation. So normally the ruling to pray in congregation is for the obligatory prayers. But there are some supererogatory prayers that can also be prayed in congregation. Even the night prayer, tahajjud, it can be done in congregation. And the duha prayer can be done in congregation. But they are prayers that are normally not in congregation. So you shouldn't make a habit of getting together and praying tahajjud in congregation or the duha prayer. But every now and again, if it so happened that coincidentally a few of you got together and you prayed tahajjud together, there is no problem in that. But it should not be taken as a habit to regularly get together and pray tahajjud in congregation. So it is allowed now and again, but not as a habit for the tahajjud and the duha prayer. Uh, and the reason why is because Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam salla fi bayti Utban ibn Malik radiyallahu anhu wa salla fi bayt Umm Sulaym radiyallahu anha وَصَلَّى خَلْفَهُ أُنَاسِ وَقَامَ مِنَ اللَّيْلِ وَقَامَ مَعَهُ إِبْنَ عَبَّاسِ لَمَّا بَاتَ عِنْدَ خَالَتِهِ مَيْمُونَةِ وَقَامَ مَعَهُ أَيْضًا حُذَيْفَ إِبْنَ الْيَمَانِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ Here the Shaykh, he gives a few examples 
of where the Prophet had prayed the night prayer and others had joined him to make a jama'ah. There are a few examples that were mentioned there in the house of Umm Salaim. Uh, uh, some people they prayed behind him that night prayer. On one occasion, Ibn Abbas lined up with him. Uh, Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman on one occasion. Uh, so there are these occasions where the tahajjud, the night prayer, was prayed in congregation. So occasionally it can be done, but it's not something you take as a habit for the night prayer. فَصَلَاةُ اللَّيْلِ إِذَا صُلِّيَتْ جَمَاعَةً فِي بَعْضِ الْأَحْيَانِ فَلَا مَانِعْ مِنْ ذَلِكِ So if the night prayer is prayed in congregation, sometimes no problem. إِلَّا أَنَّ الْجَمَاعَةً الراتبة التي يستحب أن تستمر هي صلاة التراويح However, the taraweeh in Ramadan, that one should be prayed in congregation regularly. And the rain prayer and the eclipse prayer and the Eid prayer, all of these are prayers that are prayed in the jama'ah. The obligatory prayers, and then some of these others, as we've mentioned, as examples. What are the benefits of the jama'ah prayer? وَالْحِكْمَةِ فِي صَلَاةِ الْجَمَاعَةِ أَنَّ فِيهَا مَصَالِحِ عَظِيمَةِ There are many great benefits and virtues to the congregational prayer. أولاً firstly اجتماع الكلمة that it unites everybody being together in the congregation it unites everyone to be together and joined لأن الإسلام جاء جاء لجمع الكلمة وتوافق القلوب وعدم التفرق والاختلاف because in Islam it directs us to be united and for our hearts to be in conformity and for there not to be any differing and splitting amongst us. So Islamically, we should be united and together. And the jama'ah prayer, that is one means of uniting the Muslims and bringing them together. وَفِي صَلَاةِ الْجَمَاعَةِ الْمُشَارَكَةِ فِي الدُّعَاءِ also in the congregational prayer, there is the dua that is made together. فَإِنَّ دُعَاءَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ إِذَا كَانَ فِي جَمَاعًا يَشْتَرِكُ فِي ثَوَابِهِ الْحَاضِرُونَ وَقَدْ يَكُونُ فِي الْحَاضَرِينَ أُنَاسٌ صَالِحُونَ فَيَنْفَعُ اللَّهُ بِدُعَائِهِمْ مَنْ حَضَرَ مَعَهُمْ فَيَغْفِرُ لِلْجَمِيعَ so when everybody is together and they pray in unity, they pray in congregation, and then people are making their du'as, maybe somebody righteous is in that congregation and he makes the du'a, oh Allah forgive all of the Muslims, my brothers, and Allah answers his du'a and everybody is forgiven by the du'a of that one person. So there is some benefit for one another. That everybody is together, everybody is making du'a, everybody is calling upon Allah, this worship is being done together to Allah, so that benefits the people.
And when there are righteous people together, righteous and pious people come together, then that benefits everybody. They will be seeking forgiveness, they will be asking Allah for mercy, and so perhaps the others, they are given that mercy and forgiveness as well. فحضور جماعة المسلمين ومشاركتهم في العبادة والدعاء والدروس هذا فيه ثواب عظيم يتعدى نفعه إلى الحاضرين. So when the Muslims they come together and they participate in this great worship and they do their dua and they have lessons together, then all of these activities together united. Then there is a great reward in them, and the benefit of that will pass on to everybody who is present in that gathering. وَقَدْ يَكُونُ فِي الْحَاضِرِينَ مَنْ هُوَ مُقَصِّرٌ And there could be people amongst that gathering, within that gathering, who themselves have a lot of shortcomings. There could be some people who have a lot of shortcomings, but they come to the gathering of the righteous, and they come to the gathering sitting with the people of goodness, of piety, of learning, of studying, and they benefit from that too then. They benefit from that gathering of the righteous, that gathering of knowledge. And Allah may benefit that person because of the dua of the other righteous people in that gathering. وَكَذَلِكَ صَلَاةُ الْجَمَاعَةِ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ يَغْفِرُ لِلْحَاضِرِينَ فِيهَا Similarly, the congregational prayer, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive those who are in that congregational prayer together. وَقَدْ يَكُونُوا فِيهِمْ مَنْ هُوَ There could be amongst them those who are sinners. وَمَنْ هُوَ مُقَصِّرٍ And those who are people of negligence and shortcoming. فَتَعُمُّهُ الرَّحْمَةِ مَعَهُمْ فَهَذَا خَيْرٌ عَظِيمٌ But even those people of sins and shortcomings, when they are together in the congregational prayer, together united, then they benefit and that benefit goes upon them also. And the dua of the righteous may encompass them also. So that is point number one. Unity between the Muslims, unity of the hearts, benefit for everybody attending in that congregational prayer. Secondly, ثانياً وأيضاً إن صلاة الجماعة أبعد عن الشيطان فإذا اجتمع المسلمون وصلوا جميعا فإن هذا يبعد الشيطان عنهم أما إذا صلوا فرادا فإن الشيطان يتسلط ولهذا يقول صلى الله عليه وسلم إنما يأكل الذئب من الغنم القاصية The second benefit of the congregational prayer is that when you are united together praying, it distances the shaitan further away from you. Makes it more difficult for the shaitan. Whereas when you are by yourself, then it is easier for the whisperings of the shaitan and for the attack of the shaitan to occur. When you are by yourself, then it is easier for the shaitan to attack you and to whisper. But when you are together in the jama'ah, 
praying united side by side with the Muslims, then it makes it more difficult for the shaitan to whisper and to attack. That's why the Prophet said that the wolf eats the lone sheep. The wolf eats the lone sheep. وَلِذَلِكَ يَجِبُ تَرَاصُ الصُّفُوفِ وَعَدَمْ تَرْكِ فُرَجْ فِيمَا بَيْنَهَا لِأَلَّا يَتَخَلَّلَ الشَّيْطَانُ مِنْ بَيْنِ الْمُصَلِّينَ فَإِذَا تَمَاسَكُوا وَصَفُوا وَتَرَاصُوا لَمْ يَكُنْ لِلشَّيْطَانِ فُرْصَ لِيُوَصْوِسَ لَهُمْ وَلِيُفْسِدَ مَا بَيْنَهُمْ Similarly, it is obligatory to straight to uh, make the rows side by side and tight and not leave any gaps in between each other. To stand side by side and not to leave gaps in between each other. Because leaving those gaps side by side, then that leaves openings for the shaitan to enter. But if you are next to each other and lined up close by, uh, not leaving any gaps on your sides, then it does not leave an opportunity for the shaitan to come in and whisper and to corrupt your prayer. Thirdly, ثالثاً وَمِنْ فَوَائِدِ صَلَاةِ الْجَمَاعَةِ تَعَلُّمُ الْجَاهِلِ فالجاهل لو صلى وحده ربما يصلي طول عمره ولا تصح صلاته لأنه مخل بأركانها أو بشروطها أو بواجباتها أو بكيفيتها فتراه لا يحسن الركوع ولا السجود لكنه إذا صلى مع الجماعة تعلم الصلاة وعقلها وألفها لأن التعليم بالتطبيق أبلغ من التعليم بالقول the third benefit is that if you come and pray in the jama'ah, it is actually an educational process for you. Particularly for somebody who does not know particularly how to pray properly. If a person who's never learned properly prays by himself all the time, he may be making the same mistakes every day for the rest of his life, and he never knows and nobody ever sees him to tell him. But if that person comes to the mosque and prays in the jama'ah, makes those mistakes, it will be noted by people or he himself will notice from others how they are praying and that they are doing something correct as uh, compared to how he was doing it which was incorrect. So coming to the jama'ah is a means of educating yourself. You come together and you pray and you may spot a mistake that you've been doing that you wouldn't otherwise spot or somebody else may spot that mistake from you and if you pray by yourself, that mistake would never be spotted. You could be praying like that, with that mistake, all your life. Fourthly, أيضاً في صلاة الجماعة تراحم تراحم وتعاطف وتفقد المسلمين لأحوال بعضهم البعض فإذا تخلف واحد منهم فإنهم يسألون عنه فَإِنْ كَانَ مَرِيضًا أَوْ مَعْذُورًا فَإِنَّهُمْ يَزُورُونَهُ وَيَطْمَئِنُّونَ عَلَيْهِ وَإِنْ كَانَ مُتَهَاوِنًا وَمُتَكَاسِلًا وَغَيْرَ ذَلِكَ فَإِنَّهُمْ يَنْصَحُونَهُ 
وَيَحْضُرُونَهُ مِنَ التَّخَلُّفِ عَنِ الْجَمَاعَةِ Also, in the congregational prayer, it brings about a feeling of looking out for one another. A feeling of connection with one another. Such that if you were to pray in the jama'ah regularly and then suddenly somebody disappears and they no longer turn up, then everybody would recognize where's our brother such and such gone. And they would ask about him and what's happened, is he okay? Because he's a regular at the jama'ah but now suddenly he's disappeared. So then everybody has the feeling of looking out for one another. Where, what's happened to such and such a brother? He used to come regularly. Where's he gone? So then they inquire about him. Maybe they find out he's ill. That's why he's not been coming for a while. So they go visit him. All of these things that come about from having that connection and unity together in the congregational prayer. So if somebody's missing, they ask about him. If somebody's not turning up anymore, they ask about him. And if that person has some legitimate reason, maybe he was ill or something else, then at least you can settle yourself and be at ease and you know that he's okay and he's got some reason and he'll be coming again. But if there was no real reason and he was actually just being slack and lazy or he had other issues that were preventing him from coming, then you can go and advise him. You can go and advise him and tell him to stop being lazy and slack and come to the mosque and come to the gatherings. So when you're together in the jama'ah, this type of feeling of looking out for one another emerges. Whereas if somebody's never here in the first place, whether he comes or he doesn't, you're not going to ask about him. You don't know anything about him. He never comes. But those who come and then they might miss, everybody remembers and says, where such and such, where such and such. And they ask about them and they want to find out and inquire and go and visit. So it brings about that goodness and that compassion between the Muslims. فَصَلَاةُ الْجَمَاعَةِ فِيهَا مَصَالِحُ عَظِيمَةِ لَكِنْ لَوْ صَلَّ الْإِنسَانُ وَحْدَهِ فَلَرُبَّمَا يَتَكَاسَلُ وَيُؤَخِّرُ الصَّلَاةَ عَنِ الْوَقْتِ So there are many benefits to the congregational prayer. But if a person prayed by himself, then he may end up becoming lazy. He may end up delaying the prayer beyond its time. Then after that, it may get to a level whereby that person ends up even missing prayers altogether. Because he never comes, he's only praying by himself at home. He starts getting lazy and he may even end up missing prayers. إِذْ إِنَّ الشَّيْطَانَ يَتَجَرَّجُ بِهِ Because the shaitan will take it step by step with him. Will start making him get lazy at first, then lazier and lazier, then start missing some prayers until he stops praying altogether. لَكِنَّهُ إِذَا حَافَظَ عَلَى صَلَاةِ الْجَمَاعَةِ فَإِنَّهُ يَكُونُ مِنَ الْمُحَافِظِينَ عَلَى صَلَاتِهِمْ But if a person guards over his congregational prayer, then that person will be protecting and guarding over his prayers. He won't be abandoning the prayers if he comes regularly and prays in jama'ah. 
والله جل وعلا شرع للمسلمين الاجتماع في العبادات فشرع لهم الاجتماع للصلوات للصلوات خمس مرات في اليوم والليلة so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has legislated upon us to get together as Muslims for certain worships one of those is these five prayers every day to come together for those five prayers every day والنبي صلى الله عليه وسلم لما قدم المدينة كان أول عمل بدأ به هو بناء المسجد When the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم arrived in Medina the first thing that he did was to build the masjid the first thing was the building of the masjid لأجل اجتماع المسلمين للصلوات الخمس so that the Muslims could get together for their five daily prayers. So that the Muslims could get together, pray together for their five daily prayers. واجتماعهم أيضا في تداول الأمور المهمة وتلقي العلم. And also so that the Muslims, when they get together in the mosque regularly, they can... Uh, discuss with one another the important affairs and the important issues that were going on and that they could take knowledge seek knowledge in the masjid and receive knowledge فَلَوْ أَنَّ كُلَّ مُسْلِمٍ جَلَسَ فِي بَيْتِهِ مَا حَصَلَ التَّعَاوَنَ وَلَا حَصَلَ التَّعَلُّمَ وَلَا حَصَلَ التَّآلُفُ وَالتَّعَارُفُ بَيْنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ فَهَذِهِ الْمَسَاجِدِ تَجْمَعُهُمْ وَيَتَعَارَفُونَ وَيَتَآلَفُونَ وَيَتَسَاعَدُونَ وَيَتَعَاوَنُونَ فِيهَا So if a person stayed at home and didn't ever come to the congregation, Muslims didn't ever come to the congregational prayer, then you would not get this cooperation between the Muslims. You would not get that unity between the brothers if nobody saw each other ever, they never came together in the mosque. Then you don't have that love and that unity and that brotherhood. You see people staying away, you never see them, never see them in the prayer, never see them in the lessons, never see them coming to these gatherings where the brothers are coming together. Then that is a big deficiency in that person. It's the whisperings of the shaitan keeping people away from the mosque. Because keeping a person away from the mosque, away from the jama'ah, away from the congregational prayer, then that makes it easier for the shaitan to whisper upon that person. So no doubt there are these great benefits of the congregational prayer. وَشَرَعَ لَهُمْ اجْتِمَاعًا أُسْبُوعِيًّا وَهُوَ أَكْبَرَ مِنَ الْاجْتِمَاعِ لِلصَّلَوَاتِ الْخَمْسِ and then on top of that, Allah has made it upon us to have the large weekly gathering as well. And that is the congregation for the Jum'ah prayer. And that is when all of the people of that area come together in one mosque. In the, for example, in some of the Arab countries or Muslim countries, Saudi Arabia for example, there are many mosques everywhere. In one small area, 
you might have four or five or six or eight or ten mosques. In one small area, you can walk around all of them in 10-15 minutes within each other. Five, ten mosques. Five prayers are prayed in them. But when it comes to Jumu'ah, not all five of those mosques, not all ten of those mosques will be doing Jumu'ah. Only the largest one in that area will do the Jumu'ah. The others won't be open for the Jumu'ah. Because on the Friday, all of that area then, they come together in the big central mosque for the Jumu'ah. Rest of their prayers, weekly prayers, they go to their local one, 10 meters from their house, everybody goes to their local one. But on Jumu'ah, all that area doesn't go do a Jumu'ah in all of their local mosques. And local, we're talking within 10-15 minutes, you see, in the same area. They don't pray in their own own mosque, they all come together into the one big mosque, all of that area, all of that small area, and they pray together. And that is how it's done in Saudi, for example. In Saudi, that is how it is done. There are many small mosques in an area, an area that might be just 10 minutes walk that way, 10 minutes walk that way. You might have five mosques, four mosques in that area. They all do their five prayers every day. But on the Friday, all of that five, 10 minute walking distance area, they come together into the one big mosque, everybody united for the Jumu'ah. The normal five prayers, every locality, that small area, they pray in their local mosque. But the Jumu'ah prayer should not be held in multiple places in that same vicinity unless there's some necessity. Meaning, for example, if there was too many people. If there was too many people to come into one mosque in the same area, then another mosque in that area can do Jumu'ah as well. But otherwise, in that same area, every mosque shouldn't be doing Jumu'ah. They should all come together. Of course, here in our situation in these countries, it's nothing that we can do about that situation. It's not like all of the masajid are upon the methodology of Ahlul Sunnah. So in this country now, you go to the masjid that is upon the Sunnah and that's it. But where it is possible, the Shaykh is saying that in that area, they wouldn't all do Jumu'ah. They would come together into the main mosque unless there was a reason. Like there were too many people, then another one could do a Jumu'ah as well. But otherwise the default is, not everybody should do Jumu'ah. The default is, they should stop and just do it in one place in that area. وَهُنَاكَ إِجْتِمَاعٌ سَنَوِيٌ أَكْبَرْ مِنْ إِجْتِمَاعِ الْجُمْعَةِ وَهُوَ الْإِجْتِمَاعِ لِصَلَاةِ الْعِيدَيْنِ Then, there is an annual gathering which is even bigger than the Jum'ah gathering. That is for the Eid. That is for the Eid. The two Eids. So now you imagine. You have a small local area. Maybe 10 minutes walk here, 10 minutes walk there, the local area. There's maybe four mosques in that area. They all pray their five prayers in each mosque. So you don't have to walk 10 minutes to the mosque, you can walk two minutes to your local one. And the people in that corner, they walk two minutes to their local one. The people in this side of the city walk two minutes to their local one. So in that small area, everybody walks to their local mosque and prays. Five daily prayers. Jumu'ah though, all four or five of them come together into the one big mosque and pray together. Then Eid, not just that area, but the whole city, the whole, the whole place, multiple big areas should get together into one big prayer. So this is an even bigger congregation. 
the local prayers in their local vicinity. Then the Jum'ah, spreading out a bit more now, the catchment area. Then Eid, the catchment area is even bigger. That is what the Shaykh is mentioning here. وَهُنَاكَ إِجْتِمَاعٌ أَكْبَرٌ مِنْ هَذَا So on a daily basis, just the local vicinity in their mosque. On a weekly basis, that area as a whole together. On a yearly basis, that city comes together in one big Eid prayer. There's a gathering even bigger than that. What's that? Hajj. Where not just the area or the city or the country, the whole world. All of the Muslims, they come together. وَهُوَ الْإِجْتِمَاعِ فِي عَرَفَ حَيْثُ يَجْتَمِعُ الْمُسْلِمُونَ مِنْ جَمِيعِ أَقْطَارِ الْأَرْضِ فِي سَعِيدٍ وَاحِدٍ يَوْمَ عَرَفَ لِأَدَاءِ الرُّكْنِ الْأَعْظَمِ مِنْ أَرْكَانِ الْحَجِّ كل هذا يدلنا على أن دين الإسلام دين الاجتماع والألفة والتعاون والتلاقي بين المسلمين all of this indicates to you, this unity and congregation, that Islam is a religion of unity and cooperation and love and compassion between the believers. And it's a religion that removes differing and hatred and ill feelings to one another. And it's a religion that brings people together in becoming acquainted. فَهُنَاكَ اِجْتِمَاعَاتِ يَوْمِيَّةِ وَاجْتِمَاعَاتِ أُسْبُوعِيَّةِ وَاجْتِمَاعَاتِ سَنَوِيَّةِ So there are daily gatherings in the congregational prayers, weekly gatherings in the Jum'ah prayer, yearly gatherings in the Eid prayers, and in the Arafah for Hajj also. So now then, if we look at some narrations also about the congregational prayer, the first one is the hadith of Abdullah ibn Umar, رضي الله عنهما أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال صلاة الجماعة أفضل من صلاة الفذ بسبع وعشرين درجة متفق عليه ولهما عن أبي هريرة بخمس وعشرين جزءا In this hadith it says the hadith of Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu anhumah that congregational prayer is superior to solitary prayer praying by yourself congregational prayer is better than praying by yourself by 27 times 27 times better and in one narration of Abu Huraira it says 25 times better 27 times better, and in the other narration, 25 times better. فالفذ هو المنفرد والجزء والدرجة بمعنى واحد فالمنفرد ليس له إلا صلاة واحدة When you pray by yourself, you only get that one level of reward. وَالَّذِي يُصَلِّ مَعَ الْجَمَاعَةِ يَحْصُلُ عَلَىٰ أَجْرِ سَبْعٍ وَعِشْرِينَ صَلَاةً 
أو أجري خمس وعشرين. But the one who prays in congregation receives 27 times the reward or at least 25 times the reward. So this is a great virtue. But here a question comes up. Which one is actually accurate? Is it 27 times more reward or is it 25 times more reward? Because both narrations are in Al-Bukhari and Muslim. 27 and 25. So which one is accurate? Which one is accurate? هنا يرد سؤال وهو هل يوجد تعارض واختلاف بين رواية 27 ورواية 25? قالوا ليس بينهما تعارض ولا اختلاف. The scholar said there is no contradiction here between the narration about 27 and the narration about 25. لأن الخمس والعشرين داخل في السبع والعشرين والعدد لا مفهوم له عندهم. Some of the scholars they say that the exact figure isn't the point. 25, 27, they say the exact figure isn't the point. The point is just to generally say that when you're in jama'ah, you're getting a lot more reward than single. 25, 27, whatever the figure may be. They say the figure isn't the key thing. So they say there's no contradiction, it doesn't matter. Whether it's 25, whether it's 27, they say the figure isn't the point anyway. The point is you get a lot more reward in jama'ah than you do praying by yourself. And they say that's all that's meant by this narration about 25, about 27. The figures don't matter. It's the point that matters. That you get a lot more reward in congregation than you do by yourself. That's what some of the scholars said. So they said in that case, there's no contradiction. It doesn't matter about the numbers. Others, they said... بعضهم يقول هذا محمول على أن الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم أخبر أولا بالخمس والعشرين ثم جاءه الوحي بزيادة سبع والعشرين فأخبر بذلك عليه الصلاة والسلام Some of the scholars say that originally the reward for praying in jama'a was 25 times more then from the virtue of Allah, a new revelation came later on saying, now it's actually even more, 27 times more. So they say originally the first hadith, it used to be 25 times more. Then from the virtue and mercy of Allah, the new revelation came where Allah made it 27 times more. So there's no contradiction, they just say the 25 was the original ruling, and then the 27 came afterwards as the new ruling with the extra reward. فالحديث يدل على فضل صلاة الجماعة والفرق بينها وبين صلاة المنفرد. So this hadith very clearly highlights to you the difference between the congregational prayer and praying by yourself. The level of reward for the one who prays in the jama'ah a lot more than the one who prays by himself. And on top of that, all of those virtues of coming together in the congregation on top of that, keeping the shaitan away from you when you come together in congregation, it increases your iman. Being together, unified in prayer, standing line by line, side by side, hearts united. But when a person is alone and isolated and never with his brothers, never coming to the jama'ah, never coming to the gatherings, 
then that type of person will slowly become more and more isolated. And the narration it mentioned that the uh, uh, wolf eats the lone sheep in ma yakulu al ghanam or min al ghanam al qasiya that the wolf eats the lone sheep. So there are a great number of benefits in coming together for the congregation. Then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam also mentioned in the hadith of Abu Hurairah radiyallahu anhu وَالَّذِي نَفْسِي بِيَدِهِ لَقَدْ هَمَمْتُ أَنْ آمُرَ بِحُطَبٍ فَيُحْتَطَبْ ثُمَّ آمُرُ بِالصَّلَاةِ فَيُؤَذَّنُ لَهَا ثُمَّ آمُرَ رَجُلًا فَيَأُمَّ النَّاسِ ثُمَّ أُخَالِفَ إِلَى رِجَالٍ لَا يَشْهَدُونَ الصَّلَاةِ فَأُحَرِّقَ عَلَيْهِمْ بُيُوتَهُمْ وَالَّذِي نَفْسِي بِيَدِئِ لَوْ يَعْلَمُ أَحَدُهُمْ أَنَّهُ يَجْلُ عَرَقًا سَمِينًا أَوْ مِرْمَاتَيْنِ حَسَنَاتَيْنِ لَشَهِدَ الْعِشَاءِ In this hadith now, the Prophet ﷺ says, that by the one whom my soul is in his hand, لَقَدْ هَمَمْتُ and this is like an oath, it's an emphasis that indeed I had this thought. Indeed, this is what I had decided. Laqad hamamtu. This is what I was intent upon. Hamamtu ay azamtu. An bin that I would command for some firewood to be gathered up. Then I would tell someone to make the adhan and then tell someone to lead the prayer. Then I would go to the homes of the men who do not come and join that congregational prayer and burn their houses. Burn the houses of the ones who do not come. The Prophet is saying this, that this is what he was intent upon doing. To go and burn the houses of the ones who do not come. nafsi, And then the Prophet says, By the one whom my soul is in his hand. If one of them knew that he would find a arqan saminan wal alladhi yakunu alayhi laham. That if you are going to get a big uh, bone of meat, meat, a big leg of meat or some big meat or a big feast like that, if they knew they were going to get that or mirmatain tathniyat mirmat wahiyama bayna dhul'ayn min al-laham or that they would get two joints of the uh, what do you call the lamb chop type of things, the ribs and the lamb chops, the Prophet is giving the examples of this meat and the feasts that if somebody knew they were going to get these things, big legs of meat or ribs of meat, etc. If they knew they were going to get that, then they would have come and they would pray in jama'ah the asha. If they knew they, they were going to get these things, then they would come. So here the Prophet ﷺ mentions very sternly what he considered about those who miss. 
والمعنى أن هؤلاء المتخلفين لو يعلم أحدهم أنه يجد طعما من الدنيا حتى ولو كان قليلا كالعرق أو المرماتين لحضر that if the people were going to get something out of it like the example nowadays if the people knew there was going to be a meal after the prayer everybody is invited the advertisement goes out there's going to be a meal after the prayer tonight after Isha then many people would turn up that night and on the night when no announcement happens you get just five or six people in the row that's exactly what the Prophet ﷺ said 1400 years ago if people they knew there was going to be some meat or you're going to get something then they would come and that's exactly what happens now when you announce there's going to be an aqiqaf meal after the prayer there's going to be some walima there's going to be something happening after the prayer some food some gathering then lots of people they turn up in the mosque is full but when there's no food there's no gathering there's no meat there's no nothing then nobody comes to the congregational prayer the prophet ﷺ mentioned this 1400 years ago this same point when you give somebody something from the worldly goods then they want to come they'll come otherwise they don't come because people love the worldly benefits and they give precedence to the worldly affairs over the hereafter they give precedence to the worldly affairs over the hereafter لكن لما كان الأمر بأن القصد من حضور صلاة الجماعة إنما هو الحصول على الثواب الأخروي لم يحضروا But when people know that there isn't any worldly benefit and they know it's about your hereafter benefit then they don't come they don't come when it's just like that فَهُمْ إِمَّا أَنَّهُمْ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ بِالْآخِرَ كَالْمُنَافِقِينَ So that can only be because either they don't believe in the hereafter like the munafiqeen أو أن إيمانهم بالآخرة ضعيف Or their iman is so weak They know that tonight they're gonna go to the mosque to get reward from Allah Not for food or anything else Reward for coming to the congregation But because their iman is so weak they don't care, even though they know that. They know there's reward for coming and praying in the jama'ah, but the iman is so weak, they don't come. فَالسَّبَبُ الَّذِي أَخَّرَهُمْ هُوَ ضَعْفُ الْإِيمَانِ فِيهِمْ أَوْ عَدَمُ الْإِيمَانِ So either they have no iman, or they have a weakness, a great weakness of iman that prevents them from coming therefore. أَمَّا الَّذِي يُؤْمِنُ بِاللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ وَيُصَدِّقُ بِوَعْدِ اللَّهِ فَإِنَّهُ لَا يَتَخَلَّفْ عَنْ صَلَاةِ الْجَمَاعَةِ بِغَيْرِ عُذَرِ As for a person who has iman in Allah on the last day, then he does not miss the prayer in congregation unless there's some legitimate reason. فَدَلَّ عَلَى خِصَّةِ مَطَامِعْ هَؤُلَاءِ It therefore indicates how low the goals of the people are. Their goals are worldly benefits, food and whatever else. That's their low level goals thereafter. The high goals, the reward from Allah for the hereafter, their iman is so weak they don't care about that. They give precedence to the worldly benefits over the hereafter. يُؤْثِرُونَ الْحَيَاةَ الدُّنْيَا عَلَى الْآخِرَةِ 
فلو علم أحدهم أنه يحصل على طمع من مطامع الدنيا لحضر وحرص على ذلك If one of them found out that they were going to get some worldly benefit then they would strive and they would attend So the Prophet said Those who do not attend I was intent upon to burn their houses down with fire the ones who do not attend this also indicates now then that the imam of the mosque the person in authority should keep some level of care for the community that if you see people missing he should have some care why aren't certain people coming anymore where have certain brothers gone they used to come to the jama'ah now they disappeared that a muslim generally the imam firstly but the muslims generally need to have this type of feeling for their brothers that if they start missing what's happened why are they missing why they're coming to the jama'ah anymore فيه دليل على أنه يجوز التخلف عن الصلاة لقصد إنكار المنكر فلو علم بأنه هناك منكر وإذا ترك فإنه يفوت فإن للمحتسب أن يتابع إنكار المنكر ولو تخلف عن صلاة الجماعة This is talking about the fact that the Prophet missed the jama'ah prayer himself that time or it is an evidence that you could because the Prophet ﷺ said, that's what I intended upon doing. So you could miss the jama'ah if you were going to go and make inkar of a munkar. You were going to go and rebut and rebuke some evil. And it could only be done at that time. For example, people who are missing the congregational prayer there and then. But the point here is that the Prophet ﷺ, he said he was intent upon doing that. It indicates how severe the statement was to burn their houses down. Normally, Islamically, it's haram to waste wealth. Burning your house down is you're not going to waste all of your wealth, your house, your property, everything in there. It's going to burn all of your possessions. Normally, in Islam, it's haram to do those things. To waste your wealth and burn your possessions and lose everything. But here, look how severe this issue is. The Prophet ﷺ said, burn their houses even if it meant burning their wealth and everything they got so shows how important the congregation the prayer is that the punishment upon one who misses it you can go and destroy his goods and his property that was what was intended as the punishment whether you can actually go and do that to somebody who doesn't come, that's a difference between the scholars whether the leader can do that or not. But the point is here, it shows you how severe the Prophet ﷺ viewed this issue. How severe he viewed the issue of the one who does not come and pray in the jama'ah. He said, I was intent to go and burn their houses, the ones who do not come. But he didn't do it. And the scholars have mentioned various reasons for that. One of them being because obviously in the houses are going to be there. Families and everything as well. So he didn't do it. But he said, Hamamtu. 
that I had made the intent that this is what should be done. To go and burn the houses of the ones who do not come to the congregational prayer. So it indicates how severe this issue is and that a person should not miss. There is also even a discussion between some of the scholars. For a man, is your prayer even valid if you don't come and pray in the jama'ah without reason? Is your prayer even valid? هل صلاة الجماعة شرط لصحة الصلاة أو هي واجبة وليست بشرط Praying in congregation is it a condition for the men for their prayer to be accepted or is it only واجب meaning your prayer would still be okay The majority of the scholars they say that it is obligatory but not a condition. So if you did miss for whatever reason and you prayed by yourself at home, your prayer would at least at the minimum be valid, but you've missed out on all of these things and you're under the severe type of threat the Prophet ﷺ made. But the prayer would be valid. We wouldn't be able to say that your prayer is invalid. Some scholars, however, said, لَكِنْ ذَهَبَتْ طَائِفَ مِنْهُمْ some scholars actually said it is a condition for the men to pray in the jama'ah for their prayer to be accepted, the fard prayers. Condition to come in the jama'ah and pray unless you have an excuse. That's what some of the scholars they said. So if you didn't have an excuse and you just missed, according to some scholars, your prayer doesn't even count by yourself at home. That is the opinion of some scholars. It is mentioned, it is mentioned that Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah had that opinion. It is mentioned that Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah had that opinion. Jama'ah prayer, if you miss it without any reason, without any Islamic justification, your prayer is invalid for the fard prayers. So it's something very severe. وَأَنَّ صَلَاةَ الْجَمَاعَةَ مَعَ الْقُدْرَةَ شَرْطٌ لِصِحَّةِ الصَّلَاةِ فَلَوْ صَلَّ مُنْفَرِدًا بِدُونِ عِذَرْ لَمْ تَصِحَّ صَلَاةُ مذهب الظاهرية واختاره شيخ الإسلام ابن تيمية بدليل الحديث الآتي What's the proof for that? What's the proof of شيخ الإسلام and some of the others who said Jama'a is obligatory for your prayer to even count for the men, for the fard the hadith that we've just seen, you could use that. But on top of that, the hadith, it's going to come later on in some of the chapters. مَنْ سَمِعَ النِّدَاءِ فَلَمْ يُجِبْ فَلَا صَلَاةَ لَهُ إِلَّا مِنْ عُذَرِ Whoever hears the adhan and doesn't respond to it, doesn't come, then no prayer for him unless he has a legitimate Islamic reason. People say, okay, but you can't hear the adhan here. Sheikh al-Albani answered that and other scholars have answered it. In the olden days, the time of the Prophet wasallam, there was no aeroplanes, there was no cars, there was no noises, open deserts and houses. When they used to make the adhan, how far could the voice of the mu'addin go? They say it's possible it could, in certain circumstances, 
valleys and things and echoes and whatever else and the way it was, in certain circumstances, it could go up to three or four kilometers, especially in a valley type of situation where it echoes and things, up to three or four kilometers long. Just without microphone, nothing in those days. Mu'addin making it out loud, no noise, no cars, imagine silence. None of this noise on the street outside now, no noise pollution. That his voice could go for kilometers, three, four kilometers, almost two miles, a mile or two miles. It could possibly get that far. So the scholars, they say, the scholars, they say, if that is the rough distance the Adhan could travel in those days, up to couple of miles, two miles, four kilometers, whatever it works out, then these days, that's the amount you should work off. That if you live within three or four kilometers of the mosque, a couple of miles, then you should consider yourself to have to answer the call, even if you can't hear it. Because normally in those days, the Adhan would have got to you. Would he have got to you or not? Within three or four kilometers, he would have got to you. Now because of all of the stuff on the streets and the cars and the airplanes and everything, nowhere goes the sound now. Buildings are so tall, here even from this to the other side of the street, a big building, your voice stops at the building, won't go past it. But in those days, nothing. Open air, the voice goes up to three, four kilometers. So scholars say these days, if you live within three or four kilometers of the mosque, you are in this hadith. That you know what time the adhan is going to be, you are obliged by this hadith within three or four kilometers of the mosque to go and attend. So nobody can say these days we can't hear the adhan. The explanation some of the scholars have given is that you can't use this argument. Because these days, no matter biggest voice person, the adhan is going to go nowhere because of the big buildings. As soon as the voice hits the building, it doesn't go past it. But in those days, three, four kilometers. So if you live within three, four kilometers of the mosque, you are in this hadith, you've got to come and pray in congregation. Whether you can hear the adhan or not. So that is what the scholars they use as an evidence uh, to say that it is an obligation for you to come and pray. If you lived within three or four kilometers of the mosque and you don't come and pray in jama'ah, then according to some of the scholars, your prayers are invalid. According to this opinion, if you live within three or four kilometers of the mosque and you don't come and pray in jama'ah without any reason, without any Islamic reason, then your prayers by yourself in your house, whatever you're doing, are invalid. So it's something very severe. And a person needs to take in this into consideration and remember this when it comes to the issue of the congregation. One more hadith we'll mention before rounding off. The hadith of Abu Huraira, radiyallahu anhu, that talks especially about Fajr and Isha. The Prophet said, أَثْقَلُ الصَّلَاةِ عَلَى الْمُنَافِقِينَ صَلَاةُ الْعِشَاءِ وَصَلَاةُ الْفَجْرِ وَلَوْ يَعْلَمُونَ مَا فِيهِمَا لَأَتَوْهُمَا وَلَوْ حَبْوًا That the heaviest, most burdensome prayer upon the hypocrites is the Isha and the Fajr. Why the Isha and why the Fajr? Because of the timings. Fajr early in the morning, you have to wake up. Isha late at night when everybody's tired. So those two were the most difficult upon the munafiqeen. 
They wanted to relax at those times in the evening, early in the morning. So the Prophet ﷺ said the most heaviest and burdensome prayer upon the munafiqeen is the Fajr and the Isha. But if they knew, the Prophet ﷺ says, if they knew of the reward of Fajr and Isha, they would come walaw habwa. They would come even if it meant that they couldn't even walk properly. They had to come like crawling. They had to come in some narrations as it mentions, propped up with two men either side of you, your arm on one and your other arm on the other man, and two men either side of you are dragging you to the mosque. They would come like that. They would say to two brothers, come grab me, I can't walk. Put their arms on them and drag him to the mosque. In some narrations it mentions. Habwa, coming like crawling and not even being able to walk, but they would come. If they knew of the level of reward that a person gains in the Fajr and the Isha prayer. So a person needs to recognize. If you are being lazy and negligent with those two prayers in particular, Fajr and Isha, then within you is a characteristic of the Munafiqeen. Within you is a characteristic of the Munafiqeen. For the one who is lazy with the Fajr and the Isha. And these days especially, Isha is 6, 7 o'clock in the evening. 8 o'clock latest. Fajr, so late in the morning. It's not like summer. Fajr now, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock in the morning. So it's not even a problem these days. You wake up in the middle of the day, 7 o'clock, 6 o'clock. So a person needs to get into that habit. And now in winter, it's easy for you to get into the habit. Get into the habit now in winter. And then slowly when the times start to change and it gets longer and longer, you will be in the habit. So slowly you'll be able to adapt 15 minutes, 15 minutes, 15 minutes. You'll be able to adapt slowly. So now is a good opportunity. So do not have those characteristics of the munafiqeen regards to that. One question here says, is congregational prayer obligatory upon the sisters also? This is not obligatory upon the sisters to attend the congregational prayer in the mosques. They pray at home. It is better for the sisters to pray at home. And what is the evidence? لا تمنعوا إماء الله مساجد الله ولكن بيوتهم خير لهن. Do not prevent, أو كما قال, do not prevent the women from coming to the mosques, but their homes are better for them. Do not prevent the women from coming to the mosques, but their homes are better for them. So the women, they do not need to come to the masjid for the congregational prayer. These rulings we've been talking about, they are all for the men, that they must come to the congregational prayer in the mosques. No problem, they can do other gatherings in their homes, other get-togethers they have. That's possible, it can be done in various ways. In their homes, they can organize everybody come to the house of one of their sisters, etc. Activities together with the kids. Lots of other things that can be done as well. There's nothing preventing them. Hmm? Hmm? There are what, sorry? Yeah, yeah, there's nothing preventing them. So they can come to the mosque for lessons and things. They can come for the lessons, even Jama'ah, they can come, nobody preventing them. 
If they wanted to come for the jama'ah, sisters are allowed to come. Gatherings of knowledge especially where lots of sisters are going to turn up, that's a good opportunity. So there are opportunities for the sisters too. The sisters when they pray at home, they will get more reward than when they pray in the mosque. That's established, even in Mecca and Medina. Al-Masjid, Al-Haram, Mecca, the Kaaba. Even there, if the sister prays at home, instead of coming to the Haram, she lives in Mecca, more reward at home. Even there. So forget about the 27. That, and the sisters at home, the reward is more. So whatever reward is mentioned about the mosque, that's good. They'll get the reward as well. But they have more reward at home. Should you reply to the salam of your Christian mother greeting you with salam? Salam meaning the Christian mother says to you, Assalamu alaikum. Then in that case, what can you do? You can just say, wa alaik. That is mentioned by some of the scholars. Wa alaik means and to you. Without saying the full thing, wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah, mercy of Allah upon you, not the full thing. Just wa alaik, and to you. So that can be said in reply to that. Next week, it is likely that the class probably won't be on. Because the Birmingham conference is starting on Sunday. So Saturday night the preparations may begin. So it is very likely it will be off next week. But follow the Twitter account and the Telegram groups and everything to make sure you find out what's going on with next week's lesson. If it is off, then the week after will be the beginning of the new course. The new course, which is a course about the adhkar, the du'as and the adhkar, the morning du'as, the evening du'as, the du'as that you do after the prayers. What do all of those du'as mean? What are the rewards for saying certain du'as every day? That course will begin next session, which most likely is going to be then in two weeks' time. So that next session, inshallah, will be that new course. So get yourselves ready, get your friends, family here in two weeks' time on that Saturday to begin that new course about the dua and the dhikr, how to do dhikr properly Islamically, and what are the, the sunnah ways of doing it instead of all the bid'ah ways people make up. So inshallah ta'ala, that will be the new course we're going to start in the next session. Uh, so be prepared and come with enthusiasm for that. We'll conclude upon that for today then.